You're joining us for episode 37 of the Rocky Talkie podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Riccatoni. I, um, my guest tonight, I genuinely love him. Um, he's precious to me, and I've known him for 20 years now. Um, first off, let me just quickly introduce uh, him by name. Kristen Nichols is a, um, a sweetheart of a man. He's a genuine soul. He's a real one. He's a phenomenal musician and songwriter. He's a father. He's a friend. He's a son. He's a brother. <clears throat> and um, we lost touch with each other for well over 13 years, and we've come back together to uh, a friendship again over the last four years or so. And he was nice enough to come on to this podcast because he has a story <clears throat> that's still unraveling that is as one of the more real and raw ones that I that I know of right now. But uh, Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rocky. Um, so our story begins with what some people would say is a polarizing topic, and the topic is is church. Um, I was 24 years old, and I was in need of some serious hope and some serious uh, life-changing, and I grew up with spiritual influence in my life. And at 24, when I had made a certain amount of mistakes and a certain amount of anxiety riddling my thoughts, I ended up finally finding a church to actually make me not want to run out the other back door when I, when I came in it. And in this said church was a different atmosphere and a different type of people. And there was a, a young, really cool guy, um, leading worship at the front. It was just him and an acoustic guitar. And I thought he was one of the coolest guys I had ever seen. And I had seen him a couple of years prior to that hosting a uh, music video show, uh, predominantly Christian. And I was also remarked by the fact that I didn't hate it. And I was like, this guy's cool. And then I realized that was the same guy. Anyway, it was Kristen. And Kristen proceeded to take me under his wing and love on me and invest in me. And he actually made the act of going to church, cool. And uh, I ended up joining his band and doing some small tours with them and playing some really big shows. And uh, he was a, he was a, uh, he was a ultimate big brother. And uh, during that time I watched Kristen also, he, I watched him do some pretty cool highs and I've seen uh, Kristen go through some pretty crazy lows and, over the years of not staying in touch with him, I had heard things through the grapevine of things that he had gone through, people he had lost. And uh, bumping into him again, finding out that those kind of stories were still kind of happening to him. And I've always been remarked by Kristen's trajectory and uh, his indomitable spirit and his ability to just kind of keep surviving. That's a really long intro, but uh, it ha I have to lay a foundation here. So th what's the point of this conversation? Well, the point of this conversation is to talk to somebody who I greatly respect and greatly love and who I um, owe a lot to, um, and someone who I'm rooting for, and someone who I know has a story that I think a lot of us will want to hear. There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of failure, a lot of wins. There's addiction thrown in there. There's... Um, a lot of stuff. 
But I also want to talk about the music that Christian's made. I also want to talk about the art that lives in his life and that he has been responsible for doing. So this is why we're here today, is to just kind of celebrate the journey that Christian is on, because it is a journey, and I am genuinely excited for Christian, because I know that Christian will uh, ultimately stand on the podium and uh, as a victor. And he is in so many ways, but... Um, I don't know. I've never done an intro like this before. I just feel like this is this is a conversation that I'm really excited about because it's going to be real. Mm-hmm. Is that fair, everything I said? Yeah, it's overwhelming. I feel a little bit uh, like, wow, thank you. Yeah, well, listen, you know, you, uh, <clears throat> you're, you're, you're a great guy, and um, I love you, and I think it's really easy to go through a lot of shit and to think that that shit um, defines us. Sometimes you need an outside perspective to go, actually, this is what we see. So anyway, after that long-winded, while we're at five minutes, and I haven't even asked you your first question yet, so I better stop. Um, Sorry, listeners, but anyway. um, Kristen deserves that intro. So Chris, where do you want to go with this? I I mean, there's, there's music. There's what you're dealing with now. There's so many things, but why don't unless you have a stronger idea, why don't we take it from when you and I first met? We're going, what, 2002. Okay. It was maybe a year after 9-11 happened. I think it was the next summer, actually. Okay. Um, we were in a little basement church underneath the bingo hall, mm-hmm. and we met each other. Yeah. And uh, what was going on in your life at that time? Well, I just said kind of, the lead singer of our band um, had stepped away and she was the lead singer and, and like I said and, um, I found that church and it was gave me some hope I started leading worship there mm-hmm. um, the other bandmates came with me to the church and it was a place kind of to rebuild and to evaluate my life you know we'd been touring and we'd been put at that record across Canada and mm. had some moderate success and, and um, we're kind of trying to start over again without the lead singer as being mm-hmm. female. I also sang some lead vocals, but I was a main songwriter and guitar player. And, and we said, you know, we were all like in our early twenties. And I said, uh, you know, if we bring another single girl into this band, we're all going to want to date her. It's going to just right. break our band up. Right. <laughs> so uh, I just did lead vocals and that's when you know, I met you. And I remember I have this great memory of us in Virginia beach. Mm-hmm. It was the first show. It was the first show. Yeah. And I remember uh, backstage and you, you, you were emotional. I think we played as uh, seven or 8,000 people yeah. that, that night. And uh, it just, uh, you getting a little bit teary and, and giving me a hug and saying thanks. And I was just like, I can't believe that you're playing in my band because you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's, uh, let's, I'm not going to let you uh, downplay what you were doing, what your career looked like. Your career at that point was you were you were in a rebuilding stage, but what I will say on your behalf is that your band Fear of God at the time was a success. It, it you you were known and you were playing shows and you were doing well. And um, between that and the experience and exposure you had with the uh, was it East to West, East to West, yeah. the music video show that you were doing, you you weren't no slouch. You were, you were doing it. You were, you know, the next level from that level was, was, uh, kind of the big show. Yeah. 
and then you kind of hit a you hit a roadblock, and then a, and then our roads our roads kind of intertwined. So um, I, I was aware of that, so that's why it was a big deal for me to be asked to be in your band. But can you talk to listeners about what success as a Christian artist at that time looked like, and and you know. How you know what? What were the roads that led you to be that guy in that kind of a band? What was your background? Well, church was background, and and um, I'd go to a camp in Paris called Brayside, where I met. I come from Chatham, right? So I met the rest of the bandmates from Hamilton, okay. and I moved to Hamilton when I was seventeen to be in that band. Really? And looking back, I'm like, my parents let me leave at seventeen. I guess huh. I was pretty stubborn and bullheaded back even back then. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going, and we did it, and we did this big record. From, with a producer from Nashville, Brent Milligan, who back then uh, played bass from Michael W. Smith, which is one of the biggest Christian yep. artists and played guitar for DC Talk. Yep. It was a well-known producer, and he, we flew him down to Toronto, and we recorded at the Chalet, which is a massive studio just outside in Claremont. Just we recorded there. Yeah, beautiful place. And, um, you know, our record came out across Canada. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> We were playing at Cops Coliseum, actually. I don't know, maybe 10,000 people, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And CBC had just interviewed us. And the lead singer of the band, I'll say, was my girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And after the radio interview, before we went on stage, she in her record just came in across Canada. She looked at me and said, this is the last show I'm ever playing with you. Mm-hmm. We're ne- I'm never playing again in this band. I'm like, what? <laughs> right. Our record just came out. Uh, it was took months to eight months to I don't know to do all this to and it's just got put it across Canada in every Christian bookstore across Canada and then that was it and the, the floor was taken out from beneath you yeah I was. And then you met this guy named Rocky he would sing all the girl parts <laughs> <laughs> so just just for some you know reference I'm sure there's a lot of people here rolling their eyes when at the reference of Christian music but Christian music uh kind of at any given time over the last 50 years is, is has been big business and it has a, it has a sizable share of the market and uh, when it's good it's good and um, there's a lot of bad out there too but all that to say that you if the wheels can spin in the right direction you can actually have a really phenomenal career oh, absolutely at that and you were definitely headed in that direction so that was kind of the, one of the first blows that I know that you had been taken because when we, we met, you was you were just coming off that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So first off, for, before we go any further, how how did you grow up? What was what was you were you were a church kid? But what what does that? There's a lot of people that know nothing about what that means. What what does that look like? Well, I learned how to play guitar in church and and kind of learned about singing in church and. Mm-hmm. Songwriting uh, in Chatham, where I grew up, I was a big sports guy, I was a big jock. Right. And I played uh, travel baseball till I was sixteen, and I thought I'd go to the states and play baseball. Looking back, that was not a, wasn't in the cards, but uh, I still love baseball to this day. And and I just I grew up like in a small town and went to church, uh, did like the youth thing on Friday nights and church on Sunday. And and my closest group of friends were from that church, and we you know we. We'd make music together, and, and it was really good development time for mm-hmm. me. Um, older guys taking me under their wings and showing me how to change keys and like right. and uh, different voicings and things like that. You know, I'd look back; I was so green and so 
uh, not very good, but they, you know, they, they nurtured that gift in me. And, and I feel enough that I was crazy enough to move out at 17 to go play guitar for a living. And, um, that's kind of where it started for me. I mean, I had great family. Parents are great. Brother and sister. Are you grateful that you grew up the way you did? A hundred percent. I am. Yeah. You know, it, it, um, taught me about values and morality, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I've lost at different parts of my life. Mm -hmm trying to find my way back you know uh, there's nothing wrong in my opinion to believe in this that god loves us and has a purpose for us and mm -hmm. still trying to find that and live it out and right. be kind and love people and 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 i know that the power of music though like i've had so many people over the years come up and say this song touched me and this song touched me and even just a few months ago things kind of got back to us Maybe I'll play shows. I play at the brewery playing, and this fan of mine came and um, he, he asked me to play the song alive again. I recorded, and he goes, "Do you remember the first time I met you?" I'm like, no, "I don't." Mm. Sorry, it's a long time ago, like four, 13, 14 years ago. And he goes, "Well, I went to this club, and it's gonna be the last night. I was gonna have one big party and go home and kill myself." Wow. And he goes, "And you played the song alive again, and I didn't kill myself." <sighs> and so I'm like, "Well, I guess my life isn't for nothing then." Mm. It's easy to look at the failures and all the mistakes and and not have a very high um, regard for yourself. Mm -hmm. And those little stories kind of give me a little hope and go, well, I guess it wasn't all for nothing. Wow. That's amazing. You know, um, the power of music, man. It's, yes. It heals us. It saves us. It delivers us. It, it, it takes us a, to a different place. You know, I, one of my some of my favorite memories with you would be driving in your little black Volkswagen golf and listening to, you know, our lady pieces, latest album or oh, Matthew good oh, or stereophonics oh, or, <laughs> and just being, uh, watching you be so overcome and moved with inspiration. And, and in the, in the, in that moment of that great part of the song, like you, you know, you, you loved music and I loved sharing that with you. That was a special thing. And for that to happen as a, to reciprocate that and have someone say to you, your music did that for me. That's, that's pretty amazing. It's a gift, you know. I, I, I was going to say, I, uh, sometimes I hate the way I'm wired and the way that I think, you know, but I, I feel so deeply. I feel mm -hmm. my highs are so high, my mm. lows are so low. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but that's what makes me write songs. That's what makes me mm -hmm. uh, this complicated human being, you know. Where did you learn the... Uh, the gift of being a great big brother because you were, you were so good at it. Where, where did that come from? Hmm, that's a great question. I'm not sure I could have stuck around if I didn't have uh, you as an anchor in those early, you know, six to eight months. You know, I, I guess growing up in church, you're always around younger people and older people and the older ones were nice to me, mm. kind to me. So I just, reciprocated that and just kind of mirrored that and did that yeah. for people. You know, I've always had a big heart and just uh, tried to love people. Mm -hmm. You know, as you get older, you can get jaded and you get hurt, you get damaged. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you get angry <laughs> and it's easy to forget who you are. And, and But, you know, just it's, if my life is anything, I, I hope it's a big redemption story. 100%. Because that's just, I need, you know, that's who I am. I want to, I feel like I keep getting back up. Mm -hmm. I keep getting back up and keep going. 
How old are you? 44. We're the exact same age. I, I ask that all the time, and I'm always surprised that we're the same age. I don't know why. I, I, I always think I'm just older than everybody, but yeah. I'm not, obviously. Um, okay, so we met. Um, things soured for you at the church we were going to, and you had um, a rough exit. And it sent ripples, and it was definitely, it sucked <clears throat> for everybody. Um, and then you went on your way, and that's kind of where our descent went cold. And this is kind of where I want to take the journey and the conversation to is, that would have been, what, 2003, Chris? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I think so. You were maybe around the church for what, roughly a year? I was two years there. You, collectively, but when I was there, well, I, I think you did a year yeah. after my arrival. So um, that's kind of when the fireworks were starting to go off for you. If you're okay with it, why don't you take us along on the timelines of what went down after you, you went on your way? Well, I was very broken and confused, you know. Um, the pastor and I didn't see eye to eye. And uh, I'm not here to, 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 to put blame or to say bad things about someone, but... He, uh, he was a mentor and a friend. And, you know, like everyone, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And his flaws um, pushed me away from the church and really hurt me, really damaged me. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one thing he said to me was, you should break your guitar and shave your head. I've got long hair for people that don't know. It's very long. Uh, he said, because God will never use you again. Hmm. And, you know, for someone who grew up in church, that was a really hard thing to hear. And I remember I moved in with your uncle. Right. Downtown here, Hamilton. and uh, My old apartment. Was it, you lived there too? Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. I lived there and I would run to Pier 4 until I threw up. Hmm. And, I, and I remember saying, if I had a gun, I would have swallowed it. Right. I didn't want to live anymore. So you're trying to outrun the words... Yeah, yeah. And that's when I met some new friends because I'd put out uh, my first solo record, EP, without the band, just Kristen Nichols. And I had a song, like I did it with uh, Dave Thompson from Wave going to California. That's right. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I met them at a show and he liked my stuff and my style. And I did, recorded the songs. Um, and uh, I met some new friends playing in bars. I never played in bars before, mm-hmm. in clubs. And uh, a bunch of great people, and, and they're, they all really liked me because they hadn't been around someone like me, a church guy, I think, that was compassionate and loved people mm-hmm. authentically. And um, I was dealing with a lot of demons, a lot of things in my head, you know, a lot of thoughts. And, and uh, one night, someone offered me this little white powder, mm. and it made me feel like Superman for a little bit. And cocaine has been with me for almost 20 years. Really? When you saw that, um, I'm, I'm fairly reckless in my nature. I think that you're a little bit more, uh, you have more of a reckless courage to do more scary things. Yeah. Um, I'm, I tend to dance around the fire. I think you've had the propensity to kind of run through it a couple times. 
when you saw that, especially being a church kid, because we're, we're, we're trained to be afraid of so many things and go, oh, that's bad. And I wasn't a church kid, but when I saw cocaine at a party, I was like, oh, what the hell? Get this I, That only happens in shows or movies. What's it doing here? Was there a party that you're like, um, run the other way? Or were you in such a way where you're like- I was like, terrified of it. You, know? you were. But um, I wanted to escape. Okay. I wanted to not feel the pain. Right. And cocaine does that for a while. It, it, it gives you- it's euphoric feeling, and uh, you feel like you can do anything. And then you can't, because it takes everything from you. Mm. And I lost everything. How long did that take? So I started gradual, a little bit, a little bit. Mm. And then there's a time there for a couple of years, I had cocaine on me every day. Really? And I didn't do tons of it, but I did enough every day to get by. And uh, there's a time when I was living in my car, because of what you had spent on. Yeah. So what does that look like in terms of um, fiscal investment? What? Thousands and thousands and thousands. I've probably put up a sports car in my nose <laughs> over the 20 years or so, whatever it's been. But I can say today I have almost a year clean. Good for you. And, um, you know, I, I would, over like the last, say, 10 years, I would have months clean and then I would fall back. Right. Something happened or it just, and it's not rocket science. You know, you go to the same clubs around the same people and you, you know, I'm a friendly guy. All the dealers love me. Mm-hmm. People love me here. Kristen, have a line here that, you know, and you just do it. And mm-hmm. when you're drinking as much as I did, you just, your inhibitions are down and you're like, it kind of, it's this, this dance you do with cocaine and alcohol. One's an upper, one's a downer. Right. And I've heard there's like a certain thing that happens when you mix those two. It does something different to your blood and something to your brain. I don't know, but, um, so I did that dance for a long time and I hit it, you know, it was, you know, I, my best friends, um, my ex-wife, <laughs> I did it all. I, but you know, and, and I, I just hit it from everybody mm. except for the people I would do it with. I had some certain friends I would do it with so-called friends. They weren't friends or acquaintances. They're, they're addicts. And, um, you know, you get to a point where you're just like, enough's enough. And, you know, um, just through COVID, um, my, my wife at the time left with my child. He was three. No, he's, yeah, he just turned three. Or he just turned two. Or he just turned two. It's been a long time, sorry. And um, I hit it hard. Mm-hmm. I was just depressed. I was didn't know what to do. And then COVID hit a few months after that, and I was just a mess. I was drunk and high just trying to run run the pain and like again like I just like oh I failed again I screwed something up again I think I I think you and I did dinner just around the time that that had maybe she had left so, yeah. was it around Christmas time yeah it was that right yeah. it was a week before Christmas yeah you're yeah. right we, yeah. yeah um people always talk about you know eventually you'll hit a low but I think it depends on your propensity for low. Oh gosh. Like Those are... your, your low is as, as, is as low as you're willing to go. <laughs> it's like limbo. How low, how low can you go? So for you, when the, the enough is enough, what, what were the markers for that, that made, made you hit that point? Um, I met a woman who loved me. Mm-hmm. Um, who, you know, nothing's perfect in life, but when you feel a love that is um, from a woman, 
as strong as hers was and big as it was. And um, you know, my brain is feels broken half the time. But you know, I'd hurt her, and we we broke up for a few days. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wanted I, I was on medication and because um, I had COVID. And I was drinking heavily. And being naive, I guess, I didn't know that mixing alcohol and prescription drugs mm-hmm. can make you think some really weird things. Right. It's toxic. And I tried to kill myself. Oh, my God. Chris, I didn't know that. Yeah. I wanted to. I, uh, I drank everything in my house. And I was on my back porch of a house that I was soon to be forced to sell Mm. my home and I just didn't want to live and I was oh man Rocky I I called my little sister and I said take care of my son oh my gosh and I called my bass player one of my best friends Jamie Jamie and I said uh, I'm going to see Cole tonight who was Mm. our best friend who died Mm. in a plane crash who was in my band our band but I called my guitar I texted my guitar player and I said help come now and he showed up when he showed up I was just covered in blood oh my god man I had no idea and then my, one of my mentors came I guess my producer came Julius and Jamie and Luke my friend Jason who's a great musician as well and, and my, my mentor like I said and then all of a sudden the cops were at my door and they're like they heard that there's someone was trying to hurt themselves and um by that time, uh, I, my friends had been there enough to kind of, I don't know, sort me up or just to console me enough to to, to, to to not go through with what I was trying to do. And then all of a sudden, my ex-girlfriend shows up in her, in her robe because she, my dad found her on Facebook. And she met my parents once and my dad didn't even know her last name and, mm. and reached out to her and said, go to Chris, he's in trouble. And she showed up and um, I was shocked because I never thought I'd see her again. And um, from there, um, they got me, they, they, uh, my dad was a politician and he knew people and they got me into a de- detox down in Windsor <laughs> for I don't know, a week. Um, before I went to rehab mm-hmm. and then uh, I tested positive for COVID and detox so they had to send me home oh man but I didn't have COVID it was just the, the, the test pick up something I right. had COVID like I mean a month before then right so I still couldn't go to rehab so I had to come back and my partner um, wouldn't let me out of her sight mm. took care of me for that week, 10 she, days. She, 10 fought, days. she fought for you. Yeah. How much pain are you in right now? <laughs> A scale of one to 10, I don't know, man. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's just fresh wounds. There's fresh hurt. Yeah, I'm no longer with that woman who loved me. Um, because I've got this anger in me, you know, um, that I need to get better. I need to fix. 
And where does it start, Rocky? I, I've been angry for a long time, I guess, I, and I just pushed it down. I, you know, yeah. I'm usually a happy-go-lucky guy. I'm yeah. a musician. I'm a life of the you party. Are. You are. I'm the guy on stage making everybody laugh mm -hmm. and, and feel emotions and, and um, have a good time. But I'm very insecure. I'm very... I've been broken for decades, you know? Can I just say, though, that, you know, this is... Uh, it's refreshing to see, though, because... You know, you were, when I, when I met you, you were young and full of piss and vinegar and you were kind of, you know, you didn't have the maturity to even acknowledge the fact that there was stuff going on inside you. Now you've lived enough life seeing you be honest and real and broken is an indicator to me that you're on your way to something. Um, so there's that. But I don't want to. I don't want to live too long here because I want to. I want to give context to it because there's so many facets of who you are. I know that this is just a part of your story. But in terms of, for context for for people who listen, I don't. I don't want to keep going down this road without with the assumption that everyone knows what I know or what you know. So we've picked. We've started the story in the middle with the demons and the the giants that you you need to slay that have tried to like follow you through every <clears throat> chapter of your life that always seem to kind of trip you up but you were sharing with me earlier today you know contextually the origin of i think of a lot of of things where things are going wrong for you um so if you're willing to talk about that so that we can kind of yeah when i was 13 i was molested by a man yeah i had a camp a church camp. Yeah. And I blocked it out of my brain for a couple of years. But um, what that did was it made me uh, overtly sexual at a young age. Mm -hmm. You know, things are different nowadays. Kids are being more sexualized at a younger age, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I, I hate it, but I didn't know anything about that when I was 13. And, um, you know, when a man does this to you, you think that you're, I, I, I threw myself into just being promiscuous with girls because in my mind, I was trying to prove to myself that I wasn't gay. Right. Um, that I didn't want this. It wasn't my fault. So I'm, not, I'm a man. I like women. Why did this guy do this to me? So that is something that's, you know, plagued me for over 30 years. And, and I even recognize it now. I have this this thing inside me that I didn't know was still there, but this need for validation right. for uh, connection to be comforted. Maybe I don't, I don't know, but you know, I've started working with uh, a really great psychotherapist who is um, helping me get to the bottom of this stuff and root out these things in me. I don't like, mm -hmm. you know, um, so that, that, uh, that set the stage for a lot of shit. It really did, you know. It it made my brain work in a way that it wasn't supposed to. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until this last season of this knowing this psychotherapist that you've actually started to recognize, recognize, and get the get the the wisdom to know. Hey, this is the, an origin story part of my tale. Yeah. When my when my wife left me, I went just went out and got drunk and high and and found women. Mm -hmm. Because it made me feel something, uh, again, numbing the pain. I'm a good number. Mm -hmm. I want to escape. But there's something to be said for sitting in your pain and uh, getting the right help to, mm -hmm. to deal with it. 
and to to allow it to um, just sit in it and 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 uh, and be changed by it. I, 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 the more I talk about it, um, it's rewiring my brain, right? And it's rewiring me for good things. It's heal. It's healing. It's cathartic for sure. It is. Um, what I've learned, what I learned in rehab too, is uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says, "Confess your sins, that you'll be healed." And I think what that means to me is is the more I talk about this pain, right? Hopefully, it encourages someone. But the more I talk about it, the more that this these situations don't have power over me, right? They don't control me. Yes. They, don't, they don't own me. Yes. So as embarrassing as some of this stuff is. Um, do you feel embarrassed and shame? Yeah, I feel shame. shameful. Yeah, I feel yeah. embarrassed. I feel like my life wasn't supposed to be like this in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I still write music and I'm recording some of my favorite music I've ever done mm-hmm. in a new genre of country. And I found this new love for it. The pedal steel and the banjos and the dobros and the tones. and the, You know, and, and um, it gives me hope and it brings me joy. Um, if I can talk about it, it rewires my brain and it doesn't own me. It doesn't control me. Right. And you're singing about it. I'm singing about it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which is healing to me. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've, this mantra I've had the last, you know, little while, I want to learn to be unoffendable. So if everyone knows all the bad things about me and they think I'm a, they can call me any name they want or think anything bad about me. I want this to be able to roll off my back and right. be like, okay, right. that's what you think of me. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But I know who I am. I know where I've been. I'm still here and I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to keep working hard to, to be the best version of myself and, and to be the best dad I can be right. and the best partner. Maybe husband again, that'd be great. Um, the best songwriter, the best musician, the best friend, you know. Um, Can you talk to me about what being a dad means to you? Oh, wow. Your son is, sorry, how old? He's four and a half. He's four and a half. Yeah. What's, what's, uh, what, did, what did fatherhood do for you? Because I know that with me, with my own daddy issues and all that stuff, <clears throat> my son has been a straight shot of ointment mm. in my life. And uh, my relationship and bond with him specifically is is very special. There's a kindredness there that um, I can't explain. And fatherhood is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. So why don't, why don't we talk about father stuff? What what has that done for you? Well, I got the name my son, and um, his name is Phoenix Grace. Mm. And I had to give him that girl's name in the middle because his daddy's got a girl's name and I wanted him strong, but uh, grace, grace is a gift. Yeah. And Phoenix is to rise from the ashes, to be reborn, is salvation. And that's a Greek word. And the Hebrew translation is Cole. Really? Cole is our best friend, my best friend. He was in our band that died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was doing the, the stairs when I got the phone call that Cole's plane went missing in the ocean in the Dominican Republic. And I remember collapsing to the ground at the top of the stairs, Shadok stairs, and just weeping and screaming. And going out to his parents' house in New York 
And the next day I was on a plane in the Dominican in the ocean looking for my best friend. And you don't know how big the ocean is until you're in a boat trying to find a plane, trying to find your friend. And um, the ocean's big, rocky. Mm. And it's scary out there. <laughs> Dude, I don't even, there's, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. You know, there's a part of me that feels like I'm, I'm, I'm ex- somehow I'm exploiting your pain by, by yeah. letting you talk. But and this is why you're here is that it's, it's insane how much a human life can experience inside 20 years. Not even done yet. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, Cole did so much great work down there. He built houses and he schools in Haiti and, 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 and hospitals. And he was a, a beautiful, beautiful soul. Mm-hmm. He, my closest friend, you know. Um, For how long? How long? When did you guys meet, you and Cole? Probably around 99. Okay. Um, when I asked him to join my band because he was cool and good looking. and He, he, he certainly was. He could kind of play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> he got better. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were close. And, and I don't know if I fully grieved. I don't know if I know how to grieve. Mm. I think of him often. I have his voice, some of his voicemails on my phone still I'll listen to. Wow. I look at his pictures sometimes and just, he was my hermano, my, my brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I got back from in the ocean, I got Cambio tattoo. That was his leather company uh. he had done. It means, means change in Spanish. And then uh, Jamie, bass player, uh, Cole had this this bird. Swallow. Swallow on his, on his chest. And it said uh, Esperanza, which means hope in Spanish. But I'm like, I have enough Spanish on me. Candido, so I put his name in there. Right on. Jamie got the same one on him in the same spot. Right on. Um, just a little reminder. So I'm driving in the car. It's on my left arm and it's on my forearm. I can see it in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Just a reminder that my friend who I loved. So was that a conscious decision with your son's name? Or was that a happy accident? That It was, uh, we, <laughs> I had a bunch of different names and, my wife at the time, I uh, was like, nope, nope, no. Nope. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a phoenix tattooed on my arm, a big massive phoenix. It had nothing to do with that. That was my story after the church. Mm-hmm. I wanted to rise from the ashes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when I was researching the name and what it meant, it gave me the Hebrew translation, and it was Cole. I'm like, oh, that's my son's name. That's awesome. You know, giving an honor to my late friend uh, without giving him the same name, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, it's, uh, I wish Cole could have met Phoenix. Phoenix is such a sweet boy. You know, it's so, <laughs> as a dad and as a musician, I think one of the greatest joys in your life is when your son goes, Daddy, play this song, and mm. he wants to hear your songs, mm-hmm. and then turn it louder, Daddy. I love it. <laughs> and uh, his favorite song is a song called Kill. It's the heaviest song I've ever written. <laughs> it's about a person, and it's about a, an addiction. Mm-hmm. And you got to kill. Mm-hmm. These things before they kill you, and uh, he just loves it. And he'll be at the back of his little car seat, just shaking his head and singing along. And you know, it's a great feeling. You know, my son loves the song I wrote for my wife called "Madly," and he, whenever I play it, 
he kind of quietly looks at the window and he's, you see his little lip quiver and he starts because he's really he's really sensitive oh, he's and, like and he's like I just I just love this song so much dad and he's just it's just oh. it's just precious nothing, nothing beats that no it doesn't um, what are some of the significant things how how has Phoenix's life impacted you for good it's made me stick, stick around nice You know, it's it's like a true north. Uh, yeah, like uh, the pain that you know. I was saying to a friend, like, I don't know why my highs are so high and my lows are so low, and you're just usually in the middle, and like your highs are about here and his lows are about you know. You're just like they hardly move. Yeah, I'm not that person. Maybe that's why I write songs, and that's why I'm so creative and artistic, but and sensitive. But you know, as as bad as the day can be, I, I see my son and I hug him and I tell him I love him and. I was like, love you, dad. Mm. I'm like, okay, I can, I can do this. Yeah. I can do it again. You know, I can keep going. Um, and I'll tell you, like, I'm 16, 17 days without a drink now. And just, Good for you. Starting to, I feel differently. I got, yeah, I, I'm learning again and learning that just, it's okay to sit in my, the way I feel and, and let it feel it and name it these emotions and, and then move on from it, you know? Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> as sad as my story has been, in some ways it's been great too, you know, For sure. great highs, great moments of playing in front of, For sure. And we're going to get thousands of people and, and, and great friendships yep. and, and great love and, and things like that, you know, music, I'm still making it gives me so much joy and hope. And, um, well, it's, it's a good jump off point because there's, this is just, you know, this is not your only uh, facet of who you are. There's a whole other side of you. But <clears throat> you shared with me your, uh, your latest track that, from your project that you, uh, you're currently finishing off right now. And, and it's very good. Thank you. What I appreciated was I'm not used to hearing those topics set within the confines of upbeat, catchy country pop rock. Yeah. Which I think that genre needs a lot more of. You know, it's funny. I love country music, but a lot of the songs are either about trucks or beer or yeah. whiskey. Yeah, it's, it's pretty silly. Tailgates. A lot of them, you know, there's, there's some really heartfelt songs too. They're great storytellers, but that's kind of the top 40 yeah. thing. Um, you know, but I, you know, uh, this new batch of songs, um, that one song you heard was called Free Again and it talks about addiction and lost my marriage falling apart although I didn't write initially about that it turned into that in the studio right. with my producer but um, another song Now or Never Walk on Water it's more of a Chris Stapleton kind of bluesy country song um, a song called uh, You Make Me Feel and that's going to be I think one of my favorites again talks about alcohol addiction and, and demons and things but it's upbeat and yep. it's, it's catchy you know and then a, a song called gut love which is a, a song i wrote i do with uh, some other artists it was a pop song and i'm making it a country song cool so yeah. th there was a question do were all of these i'm assuming that not all of these <clears throat> were created through the lens of country some of, i mean a good song is is can be transferable across multiple genres if you do it right so, so i wrote it yeah i wrote them as my, with my rock band you know and i've just as i've gotten older I want to 
change genres. And so that's why I hired Jordan from Nashville and working up at Arc Studio with Julius. And uh, I'm letting Jordan kind of take the, the song and mold it into that format. Mm-hmm. So I'm being very open to his suggestions and his expertise. I know. You know, he's touring with Tay Bay right now, was in Coal Creek County. He's an amazing producer and, and musician in his own right. Like he's t- banjo, guitar, bass, and programs, drums, all that stuff, you know. So he's doing that. So I'm getting another song back soon. Uh, and then I'll you know, cut more guitars on it and, and, and vocals. But yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's uh, to have something new and exciting to, to, to look forward to into this whole new adventure in the country. And, right on. You know, so, so, it's, so you're going to move to Nashville on us, Chris? I've been in Nashville. Uh, I think I'm going to stay here because my yeah. son's here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. I'll go down and visit if I have to. Good point. Let's talk about, um, we're going to kind of go down a different avenue. Let's talk about, because um, music is such a huge part of your story, a huge part of our story. Mm. It was a huge bonding uh, thing for us. Talk to me about how you, how you grew up with what you were listening to and, and the first songs and albums kind of got their claws into you and started shaping you. Oh, you're going to laugh at me. This is so not cool. Um, two of my first tapes were Amy Grant, Heart Motion. Nice. And New Kids on the Block. Yeah, me. I, I was a New Kids ad. Yeah, I had and one of those. Eight, um, I grew up on stuff like like Petra and yeah. Christian Rock Band and um, White Heart and, and DC Talk. and. <laughs> you know, the lead singer from... Monster Truck grew up in the church. Oh, did he? Okay. And we were regaling about the impact that DC Talk's Jesus Freak album had oh in '95. Like that—that that was a—that was unbelievable. That was a paradigm shift. It's oh. still a great album. It is, yeah. 100%. It, it made every Christian kid feel cool. Yeah, it did actually. Yeah. <laughs> but it also like traversed over over county lines into secular. Oh, big time, yeah. Things as well. Mainstream, yeah. What was that like for you when you first heard DC Talk's oh. Jesus Freak? How old were you, and 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 what? Where were you when you heard it for the first time? Well, you would have been my age, so I was seventeen, right? Right, and I just come to Hamilton. I, I don't. I think it came out in Christmas, around Christmas time. I got it. I remember being in Hamilton, driving around. I thought before I moved here, with the guys in the band and just cranking this tune and Jesus Freak and the, that whole record and just oh, it was just it made you feel alive. It just yeah. made you feel awesome. Yeah, you know, um, as music does. My goodness, like in the light. Oh, what a great tune that mm-hmm. acoustic go mm-hmm. riff and just you know. So Brent Milligan. My producer of Fear of God was playing guitar for DC Talk then. Right on. And it was just so cool. Like the, the way they looked, it was a grunge scene. It was just like out of Seattle, but it was in Nashville. Right. right. And, and uh, the tones, the musicianship, it was just something to aspire to. You know? Yeah. And we were, John and I were talking today about how, how um, bipolar the musical spectrum was for them that they they could they could oh. swing one way and then oh, go another rapping. way and Toby rapping and Kevin's yeah. voice and Michael's voice yeah wrong. so there's the Christian kid searching for coolness in the confines of Christian music and then let's talk about when you started stepping outside of the realm and dipping your pool and your feet into the pool of general market music where were some of the stuff oh, Our Lady Peace huge I just met them last week or two weeks ago yeah. a month ago I guess now um great guys um i had a chance to play with mike turner the guitar player in early piece right after he left the band uh, at a club i opened for them and for him it's a new band he was like my guitar hero and he sat in the front row and i was doing all my looping stuff and he came up to me he's like man that was awesome and wow like, 
like you have no idea who you are to me like I've inspired like your music has changed my life like that was a really great compliment you know made you feel pretty special that's a win yeah you know but it's a Marley piece uh, Foo Fighters um, Matthew Good is still one of my favorite mm-hmm. artists the way he writes um, Tonic yes oh my goodness um, Stereophonics you know Remember Zucker Baby? Oh, so yeah our, yeah. our mutual love for Zucker Baby? Yeah. Yeah. His voice was like, yeah, high voice like you. <laughs> yeah, he don't to pull that off. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's so many. Like a lot of the great, I like a lot of the great Canadian artists. I've I had the opportunity to play with a lot of them over the years. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm 44 years old, Rocky, and I still play guitar for a living. You know, I'm not famous. I'm not anymore or anything, but. Yeah. How, how have you managed to do that? Um, I work hard. I'm a hustler. I was going to say, you, you've always been a hustler. Yeah. Are yeah. you still enjoying the hustle? I love it. Well, you know, I, I love getting up and be my own boss. I mm-hmm. love, I teach private lessons. I do music therapy. You know, I play shows all the time still. Um, you know, and, and through my divorce, um, I had to fight for, for 50-50 custody. And it was two years in court and I, I got what I asked for. After spending a ridiculous amount of money, unfortunately. But um, I can't play as much as I used to, but the shows I'm playing and where I'm playing, I get paid well enough that I can make a decent living and work hard on the days I don't have my son and then just spend time with him and go to the zoo and go swimming and go hiking and play baseball. And Good for you. He's learning. I'm teaching him how to play his ukulele. I call it the guitar, but he's learning chords and playing right. along. And So we have a lot of fun together and... and it's great, but I've had to just adjust and kind of shift again and yeah. just find a new way to keep doing this. Yeah. Have you, have you had a chance to, to, have you mounted the band that's going to represent the country project? Has that well, seen the live stage yet? A little bit. Um, we were doing some shows last year out at ARC recording. Um, what are you calling it, by the way, the project? Just my name, Kristen Nichols, man, right. still. Right. You know, I, I, after Fear of God, I was just Kristen Nichols, then I added my guys back and band. So it's, it's going to be a revolving door. Yeah. Luke's still playing guitar for me. He's awesome. And Jamie's played bass some shows last year. Alan hasn't made drums. I've got different drummers I pick from. But, you know, if I do a video, these guys will be in the video again for it. And I'm going to need a, probably a third guitar player or a slash banjo player. Um, Maybe a pedal steel player live. I'm not sure. We'll see. See what it, what it calls for. It depends on that, what the show is and how big it is. But, uh, you know, I know so many great musicians in Hamilton and Toronto that I can just make a phone call and mm-hmm. if someone can't do it, somebody else can. It's the beauty about Hamilton and the, the tight-knit community of all that. Yeah. A lot of the questions I ask uh, musicians specifically is kind of like the bucket list question is, is you could play that one song with that one band live who would it be oh geez um i had no idea when you asked me that but the one song that comes in my mind is investigate mm, by I delirious i forget you know, I, yeah that was you showed me that song blew my mind i remember live, where i was when you showed it to me the live version of that song Stu G on that guitar riffing that solo yeah and the extended version oh I get lost in that. I yeah. can weep. Delirious, eh? Yeah, that's. Yeah, I never. It's, I've never been asked that question, but that just came in my mind. Um, my goodness, um, it's beautiful. 
That's the that's a good Christian answer. Now, what about secular music? Okay, secular. Wow, you know, I one song I've played for years that people have asked me to play live many times is "If You Could Only See the Way She Loves Me." Platonic. Mm. I love that song. It's 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 one of those songs that it's like Shawshank Redemption or like. Private Ryan, one of those movies you don't ever tire of seeing. It's it's an, one of those songs. Oh, it's just a great tune. The yeah. bends. Oh, I like how some of the guitars are slightly out of tune in it. It just, yeah. uh, it just all oh, the tension, all oh, yeah. the the accidentals. Yeah, it's it's, it's a very organic sounding guitar yeah. tone. Yeah, I love that. And you know, I've written the way I write. I love the sound of accidentals in, in, in songs. You know, and um, imperfectly perfect. Yeah, yeah, you gotta know the rules to break the rules. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and. Uh, I but with country and the kind of country I'm doing, um, such precision. It's more they don't go outside the lines as much. Mm-hmm. They, they do some some guys some some of the artists can get away with it, um, but uh, I got a couple accidentals in some of these songs coming up. But uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a little more straightforward, and I'm okay with that too. Yeah. Like I can adapt, and you know, I've got some rock songs that aren't gonna I'm not recording right now that I I'll record eventually. I just if it's just for myself. I wrote one song called Big Enough with Cole. He wrote some lyrics with me on that one. And I'll record that song one day. Right on. Um, and I got some folky stuff I'm always doing. That's, that's, uh, it's funny you mention that because you're, you're really good at that. You're really good at that. The singer-songwriter folky thing. Oh, thank you. That's, uh, I wonder if you can parlay that somehow into the, into the country thing. I think you can. They're, they're close, closely related, I think, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I want to get a couple of good good bangers out there first and then maybe get some more yeah. folksy yeah. country stuff you know um, it's just all the instrumentation too I guess but you swap out a Les Paul for a pedal steel or a fiddle hey, so now that I have you on the podcast with, with, <laughs> with all, <laughs> all these people you, you already know where I'm going yeah, with it so your, your your beautiful uh, Les Paul special yeah. double cutaway with the P90 pickups that I've played um, multiple times live with your band mm-hmm. um is there any chance of you selling that thing, or is that is that? Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. If if that hand, if that guitar ever leaves my hands, yeah, I will give it to you. You don't have to buy it. If I ever leaves my position, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. See, but see, but that that what that sounds like it, would, it should give me like hope. It actually doesn't because all that says to me is it's never going to happen. Well, you never know. You ah, never I like know. the way you worded that yeah, though. Um, you know, my favorite uh, electric right now is a. 1993 Is the black one you have? Black one, yeah. Right on. I've got a Jaguar too. I really like model like Kurt Cobain's. It's got the, you know, the humbuckers and the three-way mm-hmm. switch. But you know, I got those two Les Pauls and yeah, the special. I haven't seen the Les Pauls you have. Which one? Are- well, we had the same one, right? That wine red. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a '91, I think. And then, but my my acoustic collection is kind of my favorite. What are you What are you uh, running? What are you What are you sitting on right now? So my my working guitar right now is a Songwriter Deluxe Gibson Songwriter Deluxe, beautiful, which is great, great working guitar. It's mm-hmm. got the you know the, the the EQ in it and the V plug it in. Obviously, they've got to cut away. My Larave, yes, which was stolen for a year. No, you got it back. I got it back through eBay and so it's got cops. It's crazy. It's story. got mojo on it. Man, I've worn two holes through the top of that guitar. Really, I've refretted it twice. Amazing. And it's that guitar feels like home in my You've hands. You've played the shit out oh, of that song. I've written so many songs. It's cracked. It's holes, but it sounds like a million dollars still. You so were playing. I, you were playing that guitar when I first you were, laid eyes I was, on you. Yeah. yeah, and then you bought that Morgan. That's right, Jumbo. That's right. And then, uh, so I, I, I've I played that once in a while, but I've hung it up because I didn't want to kill it. Yeah. 
and I've got a my favorite acoustics is a nineteen seventy six Gibson J two hundred. Nice vintage sunburst. And then I've got a nineteen sixty nine Gibson B twenty N. It's like a parlor. Beautiful. And I've got a nineteen seventy nine Hummingbird Gibson Hummingbird. That's that's more than when I saw it last. A lot, yeah, you must have picked that up in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I just keep adding to the collection. There was a. <clears throat> I sold off my 1979 Merton D18 because I wanted to bless my wife and take care of her with some certain things. And I was like, I need to, I need to sell this. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> I, you know, I still got my J45, my Gibson, but uh, that was one of the best Martins. I'd, that was, it was, it was the kind of Martin that I had, I had expected that I would only be able to find in Nashville somewhere hanging oh. up at Groon's guitar. Yep. In the Martin room, um, but I walked into Capsule Music. Oh, okay, yeah. Ten years ago, to buy a pack of strings, and I stumbled on that, and I walked out with the Martin. Jeez, but uh, wrote a lot of a lot of songs on that. But I, so when I sell guitars, though, I keep the people's names and numbers in my phone. Yeah, just in case you want to get it to back. yeah, so but, you can get it back one day. Yeah. So there's a there's a Yamaha entry level guitar. It's it's almost a parlor guitar. It's called the Storia Three. Okay. It's walnut. It's almost purpley in their, how they stain it. It's got beautiful um, vintage tuners, but it's, 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 it's a plain Jane guitar, mm-hmm. but it sounds beautiful. I yeah. think Yamaha makes some of the best acoustics on the earth. Really? Eh? Wow. I think it's $500. Wow. That's my birthday gift to myself. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's yeah. Been, if you ever have a chance to look at it and pick one up for oh. just for something that's you're sitting around and, and, yep writing something if you want to take it to a guitar to the cottage and you're not worried about it yeah that's the guitar okay well I'll pick up yours when you get it <laughs> okay well this is this uh, conversation has taken a turn uh, so when you're when your son gets older are you going to be the kind of dad that hides a lot of the, the trials and the wins and the losses from him or are you, are you looking forward to regaling him with all of the spectrums of your life experience in the hopes that it'll it'll help him you ever thought about I that? Think, no, I haven't, you know, but I think when he's old enough, if he has questions or if I can give advice because dad's gone through it before, mm-hmm. I definitely, you know, is this, you want to protect your son. You know, I don't want him to make the same mistakes I did. I don't right. want him to go through the same pain I did. Right. You know, um, there's a, there's a certain kind of terror that comes upon you as a parent when you think you see a glimpse of something trying to start in them that you've, uh, struggled with yourself and, and, and it's an indescribable feeling. Yeah. I, you know what? My son is very accident prone. Like I am, I've broken 20 bones in my body probably and concussions. Yeah. Like maybe that's why I'm so crazy, but uh, I just, this, uh, no, I don't want to say no fear cause I have fears, but I've just been wild and reckless, you mm-hmm. know, and my son is always getting cut and bruised and bumped and, it makes me so sad because I don't want him to hurt. Right. I know what the pain of, of breaking your elbows feels like. And right. It's horrible. I don't, you know, so I, I try to just say, son, you got to calm down. You mm-hmm. got, you know, just try to guide him as best as I can at four to not be so crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's crazy yeah. sometimes. You, know? you got nicknames for him? What are the nicknames? I call him Fee. Fee? Fee. Fee. I like that. Or Fee Fee. That's cool. <laughs> so I call him Fee Fee Dobson. Bye 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 friend. <laughs> we, uh, we, we hit the pavement real hard real quick with this with this chat we're about an hour in and we've covered a lot um 
one thing I st- one thing I've learned to start doing in conversations with people is to also find out from them if there's anything that they want to touch on or talk about that's pertinent to topics or you know what what they feel passionate about or things that we that i've that i've missed as a host uh i want to open the the floor to you to see if there's something else that you want to shed light on sure well you know another story of some of the traumatic things was being assaulted by two police officers yeah that sounded like a fun story yeah they beat the hell out of me bloody I hear that a lot. Dropping on their knees on my, on my spine and my head. And I was just covered in blood. Um, because I went down the wrong way down one way street and I got out of the car. They're on their foot. I didn't know they were after, they're running after me. They tackled me. You just beat the shit out of me. And I was very traumatic, but my, I, I say that to say, um, talking with a professional, talking with someone who can give you perspective, and help you navigate through these traumas. Mm-hmm. We all have traumas. Life's, life's messy. Mm-hmm. Life's difficult. And it's also beautiful. And, and I have a real hope that in talking and sharing stories, um, it's healing. Mm-hmm. And you can rewire your brain. You can think differently. It's never too, never too old to change. You're never too old to keep trying. Um, the things that have happened to us don't define us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, you know, especially bad things. If things have happened to someone, it's not who you are. And I've had to learn this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think talking and sharing and getting help is a, is a, an important part of life's journey. Um, you know, I started a book years ago and my mentor's always bugging me when you can finish that book, Kristen. And I titled it, <laughs> broken strings. <laughs> That's good. And uh, I dig it because it, and it's, it's, it's basically a collection of stories in my life. You did break a lot of strings. I do break. I got a heavy hand, <laughs> but it's about redemption. It's about, you can still make beautiful music with broken strings. Yes. That's you know, great. You know, and, uh, That's great. A lot of the stories I've shared with you today, like it's weird that, you know, that, that people are going to hear this and they don't know me and it's, but if it can help someone and, and to keep going, you know, life is full of heartache and tragedy, but it's mm-hmm. also beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's also great stories to be lived still and to be told through our lives and to not give up, to not stop. You know, no matter how dark it gets, I've been at the at death's door. I've been mm-hmm. in the darkest valleys and I've also seen the mountaintop a few times. Yes. But half the time it's just, it's, you're just kind of somewhere in the middle and that's okay too. And just, Life is messy, but it can be beautiful, and, and we can all make music with broken strings. And, that's really good. It's redemption, you know? So that's kind of what I think my life is meant to be, I guess, maybe to inspire people to not give up. If I haven't given up, nobody should give up. <laughs> that being said, do you is there a part of you that is close to being able to say at least to some degree that some of it's been worth it because you're learning that your story is starting to bless people? You know, we only get one life. It's no dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So it's um, zit and my story is clouded with a lot of heartbreak and a lot of 
lost, but um, there's a lot of great things. And if my life can serve as a inspiration to my music, like the one fan, mm-hmm. I've had f- people over the years mention things like that, but you forget about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just a reality check. Oh, yeah, it, it, what you're doing, it matters. It makes a difference. Yeah. Even if that one person or that one person, you change their life, you change their night, you change their, you know, gave them hope, mm-hmm. you, know? you know? A lot of my songs I've written over the years are about tragedy, but I've always tried to make a, put a hopeful spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the way I write. I don't write fluffy stuff, really. It just, it's not in me. You know? I, I wanted to add... I, I have to ask this. So it's funny. It seems as though some of the greatest things that have happened to you happened while being attached to church and spirituality. And some of the darkest things have happened to you while being attached to spirituality and church. Where are you on your spiritual journey? I have great faith. Um, still it's changed over the years, you know, um, what does that mean? It means that I don't eat, breathe, and sleep a church, a certain church. Right. You know, um, I walk a lot. Um, one thing that's been helpful in my recovery and in my in my therapy has been meditating in prayer while mm-hmm. I walk, mm-hmm. just talking to God, mm-hmm. um, asking for help. You know, we all need some help sometimes, and. Um, I have the opportunity to play with a gospel band a few times a month. I'm just like, they're, they, uh, they're such amazing singers. Oh my gosh. You hear these three part harmony, these, my brothers and sisters, these, uh, I'm like the white guy on stage with the long hair. I look like the rock and roll tattooed Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's why they love me. So I either play acoustic or electric. So it's kind of fun. I get to, uh, play guitar differently when I'm playing lead guitar. Cause I've always been a rhythm and singer. So right. I'm just playing guitar for them. So I get to really enjoy that. And pulled all the del- delays and reverbs and chambers and mm-hmm. pogs and all the synth thoughts. I love it. It's so fun. But um, so I stay connected to uh, spiritual people and, and Christian people. And they, uh, it's helpful in my journey too. I, I don't like I, going through what I've gone through, I don't think I'll be someone who would ever be on staff at a church again or, or ever you know, give my life to that, but it's a big part of who I am and I'm grateful for how I grew up. Mm-hmm. I've got great family, like I said, great parents, great brother and sister, and and I've got some great friends still for, you know, 30 years that I grew up with the church um, that have seen me every step of the way through the good and the bad and the ugly. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, when I need to chill out and be calm, I'll put on some acoustic worship or something sometimes still and go for mm-hmm. a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll put on delirious once in a while. Still, depends on where my my head's at. You know what I want to feel, and mm-hmm. what I'm feeling. Um, you know, but still, my go tos are. Well, I'm always listening to ninety four seven because that's just love. I love that country sound. Now, Chris Stapleton's a great, amazing singer. He's got a voice like you to me, and it's just soulful. Oh, like just, yeah. I've got this raspy just plain Jane voice but I, get, I try to get the job done but um, yeah you know 
So yeah, spirituality, I still have my faith. It's just a little different than it looked when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I think that's okay. Yeah, we grow, we change. It's a storied faith that's been weathered and, yeah. and uh, exercised. So I don't, you know, I wouldn't say I believe exactly how I did 20 years ago, but I don't think any of us do. But your core values are pretty much still, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I'd say so. You know, it's, uh, living them is always the challenging part. Yeah. You know, I've. Well, this is, this is what I will say. I think that. People just want to hear the truth and honesty from from a human story, and uh, it's refreshing to hear someone believe in a higher power and still have a path of destruction behind them. It's, it, it, it's, it's actually not a discouragement. It's actually an encouragement because uh, it makes room for the rest of us to realize that you can still pursue goodness and change and um, a higher level and still suck on the journey to it. You know what I mean? And then that's a huge reason, huge driver for me to want to have you on this show was because I wanted to get a snapshot in real time uh, while you're on your journey. I have no doubt that you're going to arrive to that place at all. But I had it to, uh, I just wanted to chat with you about it. You know, it's funny growing up in church, you, you have to pretend like you're perfect. You have to pretend like you got it all together. Right. And I, I think, you know, some of the, the, the traumas I had young at a young age, it, 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 it conditioned me to hide mm-hmm. and, to, and be secretive. And, you know, I've been able to do some really nice things, good things in life, but I've had some dark moments and disappointed myself and others. But that's life, you yep. know, and... and I can beat myself up like I've done for years or I can just get help and try to get better, keep going one foot in front of the other, you know, trying to be the best dad I can be and, and the best musician I can be. Well, that's why I respect you, man. That's why I love you. That's why you're here. Thank you. This is what I've learned in my 37 episodes of hosting a podcast is to learn when to step away and to know that you've, you've caught what you needed to catch. I think, at an hour and 10 minutes in, I, I 100% thought that I would, we'd be going into two and a half hour territory, but oh, wow. okay. we, uh, you've covered a lot. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to chew on there. If I can just say, just keep going, you know? Yeah. As dark as the, the, the darkest parts are, there's always light. There's always hope. And, um, I'm a living testament of just keep going, just keep fighting another day. Uh, before we, we sign off, you know, the, the, the country music thing is an obvious next thing for you, but on a human level, what's next for Kristen Nichols? What's next? It's the continuing healing my brain journey. It's uh, keep doing therapy, keep not drinking alcohol, <laughs> mm-hmm. keep, um, you know, just, just being more calm and peaceful. I want to be calm and peaceful for the people in my life that I love. Um, you definitely seem me. it. 
it's you know it's I've started this journey and it's it's coming mm-hmm. you know because um, you were pretty high strung, I'm pretty crazy, <laughs> but you know you don't, you seem pretty turned down. Yeah, I think it's been a a season of reflecting and a season of of pain and sorrow. Yeah, but in the midst of all that, there is hope, and that's why I keep doing this. And you know, I wasn't sure what I was gonna how I was gonna be on your podcast and what I we were gonna talk about, but. I think that it's the, the clarity I'm getting is just to share your story. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, when you, when you bring things in the light, they can't hurt you anymore. They, mm-hmm. can't, they don't have the power to control you. And, you know, as shameful or as painful as they are, bring them in the light, tell somebody, talk to somebody. What's the biggest lie you've believed? Wow. The biggest lie I believe that, that I'm no good. Mm. I'm not worthy. I'm not... Nobody cares. And what's the truth that you're fighting with tooth and nail to stand on and believe, even though you even even if half the time you don't believe it? What what what's the it's truth a, you're fighting my for? My life has a purpose. Yeah. This isn't the end of the story. Yeah. That's good. Redemption. That broken string making good, beautiful music is a really lovely allegory. Thank you. Yeah, that's really good. Maybe that's an album cover or album album name, Broken Strings. I don't know. <laughs> How can people find your music, find you on socials? What's the best way to find Kristen Nichols? Uh, Kristen Nichols Band on Instagram. It's, um, we just launched a little while ago. It's not a lot of followers yet. But yeah. Some pictures and some, a couple of clips of the new song. Uh, There's Kristen Nichols Band on Facebook. You know, I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a great uh, social not, media not person. Not tech savvy. It's not us 44-year-olds. I just want a paper. I want a pretty piece of paper and pen. Yeah. I yeah, know I'm the same way. I'm I'm, not, I'm pretty proud of myself with uh, what I do do with socials, but you know it's uh, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, Rocky, thanks for having me, man. It's just uh, I've some of my fondest memories of friendship are with you and walks and the talks and thank you, same the musical endeavors we did on stage together and in the basement together. We've cried together. We have laughed together. We've traveled. We've uh, shared bunks together. <laughs> we've done stupid things together. Um, but yeah, man, I, I I really don't want this to be the last time you come on. I want to talk to you more when things launch and, and yeah. check in with you. But um, it's tough. I, I'm not sure I did a great job hosting because I've, I've been so embedded with feeling with you what you're what you've gone through and what you're going through I've, i feel like my objectivity might not have been as um, on point as it, it could have been because i'm i'm feeling for you as a friend and i'm and i'm listening as a friend and I'm, a lot of times i'm forgetting to like be a host but i think that we've covered a, a, i think we did our job though i think we talked about your human story the human condition and re- resilience and redemption and uh the fact that you're not there yet and that that's okay yeah, and uh, that you have a body of work behind you and you're still creating a body of work right now and that to me is inspiring man I, I have huge respect for you thank you at and 44 I think that my best years are ahead of me still I agree the same I, I think when, when some of my peers are getting bald and slowing down and, and, and doing the, the big fade I'm, I'm going the other way I refuse to uh, slow down and, and uh, not Stop! Never stop making art. Yeah, yeah. That's what so we I'm, I'm with you in that, and you know, 
when when you're ready to get rid of that guitar, just tell me. <laughs> you will. call your friend Rocky, and I'll <laughs> I'll be there. But uh, everyone, thank you so much for being a part of this uh, very candid talk, Chris, and uh, your your courage to 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 go there with me. Thank you. I love you dearly, and uh, I'm genuinely, genuinely, authentically excited for what the next five years are going to bring you. And uh, I know it's going to be good. And if there's anything I can do, whether it's a guitar player for a gig or uh, whatever, man, you let me know. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it. I think we've done our job on this conversation at uh, an hour and 60 minutes. Christian Nichols joined me tonight for this episode and uh, thank you so much for being a part of this uh, coming up soon I'm going to um, do a little snippet and uh, give people the opportunity to email some questions about some things that we've covered over these last 37 podcasts uh, questions about my own story questions about some of the relationships I have as guests that have come on um, questions you may have regarding my interview here with Kristen um, but uh, I'm rambling now Thank you, guys. Kristen. Thank you, Rocky. Love you, buddy. Thank you so much. See you guys soon.